0: Hey there, booking. This is Amy Allen Clark from momadvice.com. If this is your first time checking out my show, I'm just so happy to have you here. This weekly podcast is dedicated to the literary tastemakers of the world. These themed episodes are filled with book recommendations focusing on debuts, under the radar book choices, and ideas for expanding your stack with backlist book selections. You are listening to episode number 28. Use these cleaning hacks for a better reading life. The show is made possible by our Patreon subscribers. Patreon pals get the bonus features, including new book release reviews, a spreadsheet with all the books mentioned on our show, book club music playlists, and more. To learn more, head to patreon.com backslash momadvice. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com backslash momadvice. A membership is just $5 a month, or you can prepay for a 10% savings and help offset so many of the expenses associated with running this show. For you, I'm very grateful. Our Facebook group is Fully Immersed in the Reading List by Sarah Nisha Adams for April. This debut novel is an unforgettable and heartwarming story, a chance encounter with a list of library books that helps forge an unlikely friendship between two very different people in a London suburb. Be sure to join the Mom Advice Book Club on Facebook. It's free. Click the events tab and RSVP to join me in our live discussion on April 29th at 8pm Eastern Standard Time. I offered a poll on our Patreon to find out what would help you the most with your reading life. More than anything, you guys wanted to find new ways to hack your reading life so you could just make more space for books. This episode was created just for you, and I'm thrilled to share my friend, Dana White, on our show today. Now, if you're not familiar with Dana, you are in for a treat. Dana is a best-selling author who shares reality-based cleaning, that's right, reality-based, and organizing tips on her podcast, A Slob Comes Clean. She's written several books on this topic that includes Decluttering at the Speed of Light, How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind, and her brand new book, Organizing for the Rest of Us. Today, I want to have a very honest conversation with Dana about the struggles of returning to organization after just a brutal couple of years. And if you found that you have lost control of your home or you have always struggled, I just want you to know that you're not alone. I'm finding my way again, too. Now the beginning of this conversation, I'm getting a little bit emotional right now. The beginning of this conversation had me in tears because I think it speaks to a lot of this emotional weight that has come along with mothering through a pandemic. This is not a sad episode though. I know I sound like that. This is the pep talk. You need to find your footing again. And today we are gonna discuss five-minute strategies that Dana teaches. Simple, clean as you go routines that could make your day easier. And we are talking about some of Dana's controversial methods. And when I say controversial, I just mean that she kind of goes against the grain of a lot of organizing experts and traditional methods of keeping home. And she talks a little bit candidly about being a little bit more ADHD, although she's never been professionally diagnosed, but her headspace. Is feeling like that and mine does too and so I understand what she's talking about and so when she shares methods they might be different than how we might see in let's say catalogs or books or shows that we've been watching that teach us organizing methods. Her methods are different and they work with my brain and that's why I wanted to present them for you today. Now the goal here is just to help give you that jump you need to reduce clutter quickly so you can do the things you love, like make more space for reading. All right, I am so proud to show off my friend, and I can't wait to share how Dana has reignited my own passion for caring for my home again. If you love today's show, just leave a review or share it on your social feeds. This helps my show grow, and I'd love to feature your review on a future episode. And of course, if you love it, joining our bonus community is a big, big help. All right, let's get chatting. I'm so excited because Dana is joining me and those of you that listen to A Slob Comes Clean are going to be super, super happy because Dana is going to be joining us today to give us some hacks for cleaning our home so that we have more time to read because that is the goal of this podcast. She is the first in our Reading Hacks series. I just had to reach out because Dana, you have changed my life with some of your cleaning tips, particularly after the pandemic. For our listeners, I just kind of want to be transparent that I actually have been a fairly organized person and I feel like I've had a really good grasp on my home. But in 2020, I had um, some health challenges and I was pretty bedridden. After that time, things have gotten chaotic in my home. And I want to live authentically about that. I have not been motivated to get back on track. The pandemic has been depressing, every aspect of this. When I talk to other moms, I feel like we're all kind of in this boat after the pandemic where we've lost control. I wanted to talk a little bit about getting control of that again and some good kickstart Methods, especially when it's just not been healthy, like to have a chaotic home in a time where we felt blue. So, I kind of want to start with leading with your background. How do you become a cleaning expert, and what exactly transpired to get you to this point in your career?
1: Well, thanks for having me on. I, when you tell your story, I feel it so hard, and it's the thing that I see. It's the thing that I see right now. You've had the physical challenges and everybody, as in like every human in the entire planet earth, I feel like has had this emotional exhaustion that's been happening over the past two years. We're all conserving our emotional energy because there's so many decisions to make on a daily basis. You know, what used to be things that we didn't even think about are now these big decisions and we're like if i don't have to make a decision about something i'm not going to and then that ends up translating into our houses being chaotic because i'm not i just i could put that off i could just not let anybody inside which has also not even been an option you know for much much of this time so anyway that was me rambling on that but i'll keep going <laughs> on um just to say you're not alone like this this is a real thing right now so as far as my history you know the the title of my blog which was supposed to be a temporary practice blog back in 2009, where I was going to learn about blogging while I got my house under control because I wanted to be a writer and my house was a disaster. And I was like, I need to get my house figured out before I throw myself into this creative thing that I was so passionate about. So I thought I would write about my house for a little while. I called my blog, A Slob Comes Clean. I used a fake name at the time. I didn't want anyone to know that this was my deep, dark secret, because this was my big shame. This was my mm-hmm. shameful thing. When I say my house was out of control, I mean, it really was like, I mean, I could have people over. So it's not like I couldn't have anyone over. I just needed two weeks to get ready. Like I would mm-hmm. shove everything in the master bedroom, lock the door. And then I would spend the second week cleaning, you know, so I wasn't actually decluttering anything. I was just stuff shifting. I was moving things around. I, I started writing about it. I was completely honest because I nobody knew who I was. Nobody I knew, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't even tell my husband when I was doing it first, you know, mm-hmm. and I was just recording what I was doing, what I was not doing, what was going through my head when I would not do something and then realize, "Why? why did I not do that? You know, so I was just writing about all this, trying to keep myself accountable because I was wanting to learn about blogging. I was, you know, this is back in the day, I you know, mean, mm-hmm. you're an OG blogger, right? I am. <laughs> <laughs> so you're way more experienced than me on that. But I mean, I just, it was back in the day of like link parties and stuff like that where I was like, I'm going to try these things because I'm doing this as a way to get to learn about blogging before I, you know, start writing my real blog, is what I thought. And so I was finding people who would read it. And I honestly thought that my first comment was going to be somebody saying, you're a horrible person. Like, I can't mm. believe that you're saying these things. I can't believe you're showing these pictures. You need to get off the internet. You're a horrible. And th- the main thing, honestly, that I feared was they were going to say you're a horrible mother. I, I just um, got chills actually. That actually, yeah, that hits yeah. hard. Yeah. I-, I mean, I just, I honestly assumed that would be the reaction and it wasn't. Instead, Now I'm getting all emotional anyway. I know you're making me cry. (laughs) (laughs) But instead people were saying, these are my thoughts. These are the thoughts that go through my head that I thought I was the only one, you know, and I think sometimes people think I have this amazing ability to be honest. I'm like, y'all, but I was not using my real name. And that's why I was able to be Mm. honest about this thing that was so shameful to me. You know, I was just trying to figure it out. And for a long time, people were saying, Please teach us how to do this too. And I was like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's Like, why would anyone ever listen to me about cleaning or organizing or anything like that? I was like, that's y'all. And I would say that I was like, just read the blog." you know, just see what I'm doing. That's all I have to give you is just to record what I'm doing. And maybe you can learn something from it. And then I think it was in I don't know, time is a weird thing these days, you know, and especially since it's been like 13 years since I started, but I had this moment. So I had a, a blogging friend that I had met at a conference. And she she started reading my blog. And you know, like, we were blogging friends. Right. And so like Mm -hmm. I had looked at your blog and stuff and I'm, you know, we knew who each other were and all that kind of stuff, but she was sick one day and she started like really reading it and like really reading every post. And she would like send me an email after every single post and give me her thoughts. And she was so encouraging. And she was like, Dana, you've got to write an instruction book. And I was like, no, that doesn't make any sense that it's dumb you know to think anyone yeah. would listen to me on this and she was like no 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 you have to she said you're you're doing something here people are responding to it she was being helped by it and she was like you've got to write an instruction book and i just resisted it so hard until it hit me one day i think what i thought was if if someone's going to read a book about clean air organizing, they want to hear how to have a perfect house. And I cannot tell someone how to have a perfect house. I am purposely not showing you my whole house right now. You know, I mean, like it's been I've been out mm-hmm. of town. My family's home the weekend. It's crazy. Not like it wouldn't be if I was home. But anyway, mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, I was just like, I can't tell somebody how to have a perfect house. But I can tell someone how to go from completely bewildered and overwhelmed to okay, I think, think I can actually do this. Mm -hmm. And I realized that that didn't exist out there. You know, most organizing advice is written by organized people, which makes sense, right?
0: Mm. And
1: they like organizing, they think that way, their brains do not work the same way that my brain works. And so I was always completely lost. You know, I would read stuff and be like, I have a lot to do before I even get to this place that you call the starting point, you know, and so I'm like, okay, my and it just it hit me. So I wrote my first ebook, which was 28 Days to Hope for Your Home, which is leading you through the four basic habits that really changed my house. And then it kind of shifted things into, oh, I do have something to teach and share, because it was really helping people. And then, you know, here we are 13 years later, my house is under control. My house is not perfect. I mean, I'm not a decorator. I'm not a, you know, uh, but I'm like, but my house is under control. And I've just come to this place where I realized I did all this because I wanted to be a writer. So Mm -hmm. my goal is to get my house under control so I can do the things I want to do. That is what I can help people do, you know, because I've been through it because I have had to pry the clutter out of my own tight grip of, you know, irrational thinking and being obsessed with, Frugality and all the kinds of mm-hmm. issues that I personally had that was making me hold on to things so tightly. I have something to share that a lot of people don't, who are like, Why does anybody keep that? I'm like, Oh, well, mm-hmm. I can tell you exactly why I kept all these dumb things that I now am embarrassed to say that I once upon a time would never have gotten rid of, you know. But because I've been through it and because I've had to work through the process, I am able to help others. And, you know, I was a teacher. And so that's how my brain works, you know, is like, let's put things into a certain process or perspective that I can help with. But I'm going to stop talking now because I feel like I've been going on
0: and on. (laughs) No, I love it. I want to say there, you know, with the paralysis thing, Mm -hmm. there is the the hurdle of getting started, which I see when I talk to other moms, it was kind of one of these embarrassing secrets when you're talking about feeling shame about where things were. I had a girlfriend luncheon and everyone at the table was talking about how they would be embarrassed to have one of us over right now, Mm -hmm. that our standards had, you know, gone down during the pandemic. One, it didn't seem as important, honestly, like Mm -hmm. to care for the home, like that was lowest on the level of priorities. The top priority being like, getting my kids through online school and all of those different things that were happening up in that real time. The other thing is that I feel like you're one of the only people that I follow as far as like cleaning, that's not Pushing acrylic organizers and rainbow themed ideas. So I get almost in that paralysis because I feel like if I'm going to do it, it has to be like a magazine worthy. I know a lot of us are getting bombarded by that message on TikTok, on Instagram accounts that we follow. How do we kind of make that happy compromise where things are clean? We get over that hurdle of paralysis. And move out of that headspace that it needs to look magazine oriented in order for it to be a clean experience, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's my story. That's most people's story who have this, my house is a wreck. This is what I want. I can't even imagine how to get from where things are right now to that. And so I just don't even know where to start. You know, it's like, there's too far of a gap there. So the number one thing to realize that that really changed things for me was realizing that decluttering and organizing are not the same thing. When you think of them as one thing, it does more harm than good, okay? So because I was at such a point of overwhelm and discouragement and feeling like a failure when I started, I thought that I was kind of, Like giving up or not doing enough by saying, you know what? I'm just going to declutter. I mean, that's how far gone I am. I'm just going to declutter. Like, I'm not even going to think about organizing yet. I'm just going to declutter. Because, you know, I had always looked around my messy house and thought, Oh, I've got to get organized. Oh my goodness. One of these days I'm going to be organized. I've got to do this. Well, that never got me anywhere because I would go to the store and walk down the organizing products aisle and look at all the pictures on the packages and think, yes, that's what I want. So I would buy those things. I would come home and all that energy I had to change my home, you know, was gone by the time I got home. And then I had more stuff in a bag Mm -hmm. by the door. Cause I was tired at that point, you know? And so I just say, you know what? I'm not going to worry about organizing. I'm just going to declutter. There's nothing to do before you declutter. Literally, Mm. there's nothing to, to plan. There's nothing to uh, buy. There's definitely nothing to buy before you declutter. And as I worked on my house and said, I'm just going to declutter just by getting stuff out that I didn't have room for. And I didn't need my house became more organized just by decluttering. So like the first thing I'll tell people is don't get organized, like get that out of your brain and just worry about decluttering. Because even if you are going for the color coordinated stuff and the acrylic boxes, you have to declutter before you get to that anyway. And the beauty for me was just decluttering, just getting stuff out. I was like, oh, I don't even need to do that stuff because Mm -hmm. I don't care. Like it's not, that's not the thing that I'm going for. I like the look of it. I think it's beautiful, but I am not somebody who has like, it drives me crazy if everything's not color coordinated and all that kind of stuff. I don't care about that, but I do care about not being able to function in my home and I couldn't function in my home before. So just getting the excess stuff out made my house look more organized, feel more organized, function more organized. And so I achieved what I had always wanted just by decluttering. Not knowing that all that time when I thought I needed to get organized and therefore wasn't doing anything because it was too overwhelming to organize, Mm -hmm. that was the reason that I was consistently always overwhelmed and couldn't handle my home. So I think just giving yourself permission to just declutter or taking my permission, because you know, I've written the books now, you know, saying I'm just going to try this means you go ahead and get started. You grab a black trash bag, you start throwing away trash, you immediately make an impact. And also, as you do that, you see the power of that and make your goal better. Mm -hmm. Instead of making your goal, having your house being perfect, you would have to go better before you got to that perfect anyway. So say, well, my goal for today or my goal for the next five minutes or two minutes is just to make this space better. And there's no way to fail at better.
0: And you have a really creative concept idea that I wanna talk about from your book that is the container concept because I think that that really changed how I felt about going out and buying new organizers, because that was a hurdle. So we, we buy a lot of things to organize, then we get overwhelmed with the organizational process. And then we realize we don't have enough organizers. And there's kind of that where you're kind of stuck in that wheelhouse of trying to get a setup going. So what is the container concept? And how can people use that to actually free up more time if they have less clutter in their home?
1: I would have told you that I knew what containers were for. I probably would have been offended because I'm an intelligent person. I would have been offended if you had said to me, you don't know what containers are actually for. I would have been like, yes I do. But I thought containers were for putting things in. Like I looked at the home of my friend who had an organized house and it was beautiful and I wished my house looked like hers. I thought that the difference between our houses was the containers that she had, which would be the same story for looking at the books and the magazine photos and, you know, Pinterest and Instagram and all that. You look at that and you think, well, it's the, the resources, it's the products that they have. I don't have that. That's why I'm not. So anyway, so I was decluttering one day and I was talking to myself because that's what I do. And I was just saying the word container. And all of a sudden I went, wait a minute, container, contain, like firefighters contain a fire. They create a boundary. As long as they can keep the fire inside of that boundary, they can keep it under control. But if the fire goes outside of that boundary, then bad things happen, you know? And so I was like, oh, a container is not for putting things in. It's meant to contain, it's meant to serve as a limit. And I, Realized, oh, that's why I've been using these things wrong all along. I've just Mm -hmm. been, because what I would do is I would fill up a container, like I always use crayons as an example. So let's say I had a thousand crayons and my friend had a red bucket for her crayons. And I thought, okay, I need a red bucket. So I bring a red bucket into my house and I go to put my crayons in it, and only 350 crayons will fit in there. And I'm like, oh my word, why does this not work for me the way it works for her? So I would go and buy two more red buckets. Mm. Well, then I would fill those up and I would go to put them on the shelf and my shelf wouldn't fit three red buckets. And so I would think, well, okay, I got to get a new shelf. So I would add another shelf. Eventually I couldn't add any more shelves to that room. And I would think, okay, well, we need a new house because we don't have the room for me to be organized. I'm doomed to be be disorganized because my house is too small. When in reality, my house was significantly bigger than the friend's house that I'm thinking of when I tell this scenario. But the problem was I was using a container to hold stuff. I was not using it to serve as a limit. And when I realized the container is meant to serve as a limit, I realized, oh, okay, just put my favorite crayons in there first. Once it's full, then I can't keep any of the other crayons because the problem was I things I love to read for fun. I can't anymore as much because I know the truth about myself and about my stuff, but is like the repurposing and, you know, say like I would save everything because I was the person who saw the value in the broken crayon. Like, I'm like, of Mm -hmm. course you, Broken crayon still color. You know, I mean, like it's truth. I was always looking at each individual item and making a value decision saying, okay, does this item have value? Might I ever use it? You know, all those kinds of questions. The answer was always, well, yes, I need to keep it then because I could see value in something that other people would think was trash. You know, instead I said, I'm going to let the container be the limit. And when I let the container be the limit, something happens in my brain and I go, oh, that's right. I don't actually need a thousand crayons. When I've put my favorite ones in there first, that's fun. Right. But then once it's full, I'm able to say, it's not that I don't think these are valuable. It's simply that I don't have enough room and I can mm-hmm. blame the container and And the container gets to make those hard decisions for me because, you know, like we were talking about in the beginning, we're all exhausted from making decisions. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to make a decision about each one of a thousand crayons. I don't have to. I can let the container make that decision and go on instinct and go on facts. And then I realized the red bucket is a container, but then the shelf that can only fit one red bucket and still stay under control, meaning I can't just cram things in there. It has to be get to in this space. That shelf is a container. The room is a container. My whole house is a container. And when I started to treat my house like a container, as in I can only keep what will fit usably. Okay. So not crammed in, but usably fit in my space. Then my house didn't feel too small anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like my house felt plenty big, like I gained square footage in my house. It really changed everything to consider that containers are meant to serve as limits and that they will make the hard decisions for me. I love that.
0: I will say when I was having this paralysis, I did get your new book and my very first organizing project, which I did share about on my Instagram and I'll link to a picture of it, but was this Idea that I feel like is almost controversial in organizing tips and ideas, not to say that it, you know, no organizer would say this, but it was the first time that I had run across this idea, which was the fact that my organized containers that I had separated my lids, my tops from my bottoms on all of our microwave containers that we keep on hand for leftovers, would actually be better organized if they were matched together. So my very first project after reading your book was to sit down on my floor. I actually watched a movie, but I would say this would be great project for an audiobook. I matched all of the lids with the containers, and guess what? I had like 60 extra lids, like 20 bottoms that didn't actually have a lid. I stacked them all and it has Absolutely changed my life. And I want to talk about maybe the tips that don't always, we don't always see in other books or that kind of go against the grain of what we've been taught. What are some things that you think are projects that maybe other people have said, don't do this? So, like with the containers, I've always seen in my head, you stack them internally and you keep the list. Can I talk about that for
1: a minute and just talk about it? Yeah. I mean, because here's the thing organized people are generally the ones writing organizing advice. Okay. Mm -hmm. My mother was the person with the elaborate system for food storage containers. Okay. So she had special do lollies for holding the lids and then special things, you know, places where she put them. And the point was to be able to keep as many as she possibly could. But my mother, she has a very high clutter threshold. So your clutter threshold, it's a term I made up, so I get to define it. But that means this amount of stuff that you personally can keep under control. And I feel like storing your food storage containers with the lids on, like you said, it's strangely controversial, but it's such a great example of how I do things differently because your clutter threshold means you accept what you personally can actually handle. Okay. My mom is the type who, when she goes into her food storage container thing, she is going to look for the exact right size of thing that she needs. And she's going to look for the exact right size of lid. If she pulls out a lid and four others fall out floor or wherever, she's going to deal with it. She's not the type to walk away, either not think about it or think, oh, I'll deal with that later because I don't have time right now. You know, like she, she can handle that. And every time she puts away for food containers, she would put them in their little spots. I have to say real quickly that she has switched to my way after reading my books and nice. that makes me so happy. But anyway, <laughs> but my point is she can handle the elaborate system. I can't. I am the person mm-hmm. when I am thinking about putting away spaghetti, I, I'm never in a state where I'm going to methodically go through and then neaten things up when I'm done. If everything falls out, that's just not me. So I store them with the lids on. So I always have exactly what I need. It's a one step thing where I just reach my hand and take it out. That fits for my personality. It actually strangely works for other people too, because it just makes life easier, right? The other thing too, is everybody says, but you can't store as many that way. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need to store as many as I had. The fewer that I have, the fewer ones that are full of disgusting moldy stuff in the fridge that I have. Like when I am running out of food storage containers, I'm like, oh, well then I need to clean out my fridge because it. the more that I had meant I could just keep shoving stuff into the fridge more and more, which made my fridge more out of control, which made me have gross stuff I had to clean out more often. So <laughs> yep. it's like, it all works together. And then the the space that you have to store them is its own container. So that determines how many you can have. So it just is one of those examples of how what seems logical is not the best thing if it's not the way things play out in real life. Like mm-hmm. I had the elaborate systems. And yet I never used them. When I would open up that cabinet, I literally can remember our first apartment after we got married, where the food storage container cabinet was and how I would have to open it real fast, grab whatever was falling and try to close it before everything fell on my head. And most of the time things did fall on my head, like literally fell on my head. You know, and so people are like, oh, but nesting and blah, blah. I'm like, no, I don't need it. Now you do whatever you need to do that works for you. If that works for you, that's what you should be doing. And yet, even my mom, who could handle it, has realized, oh, this is a whole lot simpler if I just store them with my lids on. Oh, wait, I guess I don't need as many as I thought I did. You know, so anyway, but as far as other things, you know, I would say the number one thing that I say that's controversial. In the organizing community. Um, yes. <laughs> is the advice that I give to never pull everything out of a space when you're decluttering. That is what most people think you have to do to declutter a space. That's just standard. Like everybody assumes. I mean, that's why you have memes that say, oh, it has to get worse before it gets better or blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, I just decided to get my house organized and 20 minutes later, I'm like, what have I gotten myself into? I'm like, that was my experience because I thought that's what you had to do because that's what everybody else says that you have to do because logically in a perfect world with zero distractions and zero energy limitations that would be the most efficient way to do it, right? Would be to pull everything Mm -hmm. out of a space and only put back what you want to keep. Well, I don't live in a perfect world. I have a lot of attention issues personally. I've never been diagnosed other than by lots of people on the internet, but (laughs) as having ADHD, (laughs) but, but I instead- say to pull out one item at a time, which my five-step decluttering process talks you through what to pull out when, but one item at a time and make a final decision about that item, act on that decision because there's something amazing that happens in your brain. Because with every item that you pull out, And it goes straight in the trash bag or the recycling bin, or it goes straight in the donate box, or you take it to its home, which you determine through the decluttering questions. But you take it there now, instead of making a pile or sticking it in a box to then take later, you know, so that you can do it all at one time. With every item that you make a final decision about, it just, you never have to think about it again. Like it Mm. takes it out of your brain. And there is so much value to that. Every little bit is progress because the problem with the pull it out out method is that I would, and thousands and thousands of people tell me all the time, you know, that the same thing would happen to them. You pull everything out of the space, you work for a little while, life happens, you get distracted, your energy leaves you, and now you're worse off than you were before. Right, Mm -hmm. Because now what used to be shoved in a cabinet and you kind of knew where everything was, it's now all out over the counter or the floor or whatever. And therefore, you either shove it all back in that space and it's worse or you just leave it out and you think every time that happens, you're less likely to start the next decluttering project because you think... Oh my goodness, every time I do this, I end up in this worst situation and I just don't have time. So you think, well, I've got to set aside a whole day or a whole weekend or a whole week or all of Christmas vacation or the entire Mm -hmm. summer when I retire or whatever. I
0: mean, like that's like how your the brain goes, at least people like me, Mm -hmm. you know. So does that make sense? Totally makes sense. I know that for me personally, that is the advice that I've read too. It's where I get in a state of more overwhelm instead of feeling satisfied with myself. I'm frustrated. You know, I really I'm being authentically genuine here. It's not because Dana's on the show. Her book like just making one decision about matching containers kind of got me moving on some other areas in our house cuz I'm like, okay, so I have that sorted and it feels really good. And something like hunting for a container after making food is absolutely freaking exhausting and yes. you know, we would always have this pile of containers and it was stressful for everyone. I am trying to get everyone else on board with matching the containers when they come out of the dishwasher. That's the thing is like getting everyone to follow along with the, the things that we are establishing. We're getting there. But oh, yeah, um, it takes time for sure. Yeah. So it's it's been interesting because that kind of kick started and then I was like, okay, now I can start the bathroom closet. And I only started with one little section. So and I haven't done the rest of the bathroom, but I really feel good when I open it up. I actually left my pantry door open for on display for like three days because I'm really proud of it. And I don't want to knock acrylic organizers because I totally bought some, but I bought it and they make sense with the space and I made sure I whittled everything down and I felt really good about it. But I think sometimes in our head when we see these magazine ideas and our home isn't magazine worthy. The things that are on my acrylic organizers not noteworthy. Like nobody would take a picture of that, but in my head I'm like gosh, this is like a beautifully organized space and it makes me very very happy. It's functional. And so I just feel like if we can get through those kinds of things, the other thing that I want to talk about is just cleaning hacks in general. So Mm -hmm. another hack that you had that I implemented in my home was to have a dish wand in your shower, um, which is something that I got from you, although I have seen it a little bit on TikTok. So you might have seen that tip around, too. But why do you think like things like the dish wand and what are other some, some other things that we could be doing, you know, that make cleaning faster so we have more time to read? I mean, another one for the shower is just
1: to have a foot-sized scrub brush in the shower. So this was actually my, he's 20 now. I think he was maybe eight at the time when he, he was like, hey, mom, because there there was just a scrub brush that I had left in the bottom of the shower. I was like, look, mom, look at the difference I made. All I did was just move it around with my foot while I was taking a shower. And I was like, what? <laughs> out of that, you know, and I it really comes down to that. Like, why would I even do this if I'm not going to do it perfectly? But in mm-hmm. reality, especially for people like me who don't notice, I don't see criminal mess. I see perfectly clean and I see overwhelmingly messy, but what's happening in between that's getting it to overwhelmingly messy. It just doesn't register in my brain. And so, so many times it would be like, well, you know, why would I do that when what I really should probably do is like a full-on day of cleaning in here? And instead, just having the dishwand in the shower and being able to, oh, there's kind of a you know, little spot there or something, or when did that dry on there or whatever, you know, it's like scrub it real quick. And it's amazing how quickly, I mean, how long you can go between major, major cleanings when you're doing just a little bit here and there. And the dish one makes it more convenient than anything else, you know, could possibly be. So I, I think what I realized when I was very first starting was the power of little bitty things that I did. I always thought, What would be the point of focusing on maintenance things when my house is not at a point that needs to be maintained? You know, like I was like, Mm -hmm. I have a long way to go before I think about maintenance. When in reality, those little maintenance things, even starting them before my house was maintenance ready, you know, um, starting by focusing on doing the dishes, doing a five minute pickup, those kinds of things, all of that ended up being the thing that changed my home like was the little bitty stuff. So like the five minute pickup was literally the least amount of time I could justify spending because I, it had just never worked for me to say, Hey, every night before bed, you need to pick up your house. Well, I would forget for so many days that when I did think of it, it was like a major shoveling thing, you know, to Mm -hmm. deal with my house. So instead I said, I'm just going to do a five minute pickup every day. And in the beginning I was kind of just shoveling out five minutes at a, at a time. But then once I got my house decluttered and out under control, then five minutes is what I need to maintain all of that. And it's like, Oh, I can make that big of an impact in five minutes. Even if I could probably keep working, it's still worth doing the five minutes, you know? So like, you know, talking about reading time, I mean, I'm a, I read every single day, you know, and Mm. I'm like the, the little bitty things have ended up freeing up so much time, not that I was necessarily spending that time doing other things. But there's something mentally, when you know that there are so many things to be done, that you feel like, okay, I can't just sit down and do this, even though I still did some, but it it just it's like this, this thing that goes on in your brain. And instead, just saying, okay, I'm just going to at least do the dishes, if nothing else. When you do them every day, they only take like 10 or 15 minutes. I didn't know that because I wouldn't do them every day. And I thought it was this big, huge job to clean my kitchen. But once I started doing them every single day, it was like, oh, wait, I'm already done with my kitchen. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay. Now I freed up time.
0: It's funny because I was a newlywed when fly lady was very popular. Mm -hmm. And that was like the shining of the sink. And the dish routine was actually one of my first newlywed learning experiences when I was first keeping my first home. Because, you know, I think some of it has to do with modeling, too, who has modeled for you how to keep home. And sometimes... We don't always have someone who's modeled for us. So having that first house is kind of learning how to do things yourself. And I remember because I did have a stainless steel sink, and it was very exciting because Fly Lady is all about shining your sink at the end of the night. And I was like, look at this reflection. And it brought me so much joy. But I got out of the habit of it. And I feel like even though, I don't know, I feel like it's a little bit even controversial to say, do the dishes, run the dishwasher, even if it's not full. Yeah. That's a controversial statement. So yeah, I mean, let's talk about that because it is, and sometimes I'll do like quick
1: little interviews and somehow it, people will be like, well, what's the number one thing? And I'm like, well, let's do your dishes every day. And then somehow the whole interview is about running your dishwasher and then people get the panties in a wad because they're like, you can't <laughs> run your dishwasher if it's not full. Okay. So let's talk about it. Cause you're letting me ramble out a lot. I appreciate that. I'm letting you. Yeah. No, I love it. <laughs> I do want to clarify on the shine your sink thing. I had tried that and felt like I failed at it. Okay. So what I realized, what I have realized for me, because I was so overwhelmed because of how my brain works, you can technically have your kitchen under control and your sink be less than shiny. Right. And so I felt like it was like, but I don't have to shine my sink. Right. Like I don't have to do that. And so for me, what I needed to focus on was doing the dishes, which I think that her purpose in shining the sink was for you to have your dishes done. And then, you know, that's the final step. And that's great. And I, I think that works really well for a lot of people. But for me, I obsessed more over the shining of the sink to the point where I was putting dirty dishes in other places so I could just shine the sink. And then I was like, wait a minute, this isn't helping me. Why am I doing this and giving up? You know, the, the reason I focus so hard on doing the dishes is that if I don't do the dishes, everything grinds to a halt. Things don't grind to a halt if my sink is less than shiny, but they do like I cannot we cannot function in our home. If my dishes are not clean, you know, because I can't cook dinner, we don't have room on the counters for things, you know, so, so that it, it's just a little distinction in my brain of like what it Mm -hmm. was that I needed to do. I'm pretty passionate about this. Here's what I realized. I realized if I will run my dishwasher every single night as a pre-made decision, as opposed to something that I am rationalizing every night or thinking through, should I run it? Should I not? Is it full enough? If I just say I have to run it because that's how my house stays under control is that I run the dishwasher at night and I empty it in the morning. And if I will do that, then I can put dirty dishes in it throughout the day and my house stays under control. I'm like, this is the thing. So I remove that decision Mm -hmm. because the problem was I would look at my dishwasher and think, oh, or I would look at my dirty dishes and think, oh, that's not enough to fill the dishwasher. So I'll just wait Mm -hmm. and fill the dishwasher when I do have enough dishes. Well, the problem is I'm always wrong. Like there's always more than I think there are. And so by saying it's not a decision I get to make, then I go ahead and put those dishes in the dishwasher. And generally there's pretty much enough with family of five, you know, uh, course of a day, there's pretty much always enough dishes for a dishwasher full. But even if there's not, I used to look at it and say, well, it's not completely full, so I probably shouldn't run it. But because I've removed the decision, I say, well, I have to run it. So if I'm going to run it anyway, let me check my kitchen counters and make sure I didn't miss, oh my goodness, I always would miss something like miss Mm -hmm. three or four things. And when I, when it wasn't a decision to make, then my whole kitchen benefited because I was like, well, I have to run it. So I better check and see. And then I always had missed things. And if it still wasn't full, I was like, well, I'm going to walk through the house and see if there are dishes anywhere. And there always were, and they were pretty much always mine, you know, but I wouldn't have done that if I was allowing myself to make that decision every day. See what I'm saying mm-hmm. so yeah. by removing that decision, I would run my dishwasher every night. And when I did that, I didn't get behind. But even if it was almost full, but not quite full, and I waited till the next day, I had more dishes than would fit. And I had to hand wash things, which uses so much more water than running the dishwasher. I know it, you know, when you haven't done the research, it can feel like really, is that true? Modern dishwashers use so much less water than hand washing. I believe hand washing is like three times the capacity of the item is what Mm. you use when you hand wash. Don't quote me on this, but like running the dishwasher is like three or four gallons. I mean, it's for the whole entire thing. So it's really they've done a lot of work on that. And I I visited the Maytag labs years ago and talked to their dishwasher inventors or whatever and dishwasher engineers. Mm -hmm. So I was like, that's really cool. Okay, so it is legitimately more energy efficient, even electric, the electricity that it uses, like it is so much more efficient to do that because I get behind. Not running it one night means I'm behind the next night. Then I'm stuck trying to scramble and hand wash and figure out and blah, blah, blah. And if I'm running it every night, a lot of my cooking pans, pots and pans can go in there. And I've gotten to the point where, you know, like some people just don't buy anything that's dry clean only. I don't buy anything that's not dishwasher safe. You know, I'm just yeah. like, it's not worth it to me. But I can fit them in there because I'm doing it every day.
0: Yeah. You talk about being a reader. Are you doing audiobooks when you do your cleaning household projects? Or are you someone who sits down and has to read? Because I know with if you did have ADHD, that can be a hard format is listening to books. Do you listen to books or do you do paper books? I do both.
1: I primarily read, I listen to a lot of podcasts and then usually I have some audiobooks that I go to kind of when I've listened through my week of podcasts, um, <laughs> if I still want to, you know, so audiobooks are great for big cleaning projects for me, but I read on my Kindle every single night before I go to sleep. I love my paper white because mm. it just, it props against my husband's arm. And so <laughs> I can I just lay it. there. I lay there in bed and then it turns off after I go to sleep. So I just let myself go to sleep and it'll turn off. Yeah, I read every night before I go to bed. And then if I'm feeling, which, you know, the last two years, if I'm feeling a lot of anxiety, I will go for a book because that's, that's kind of my number one relaxation escape. There's something about looking at a screen on TV that's just not quite as effective for Mm -hmm. me, but getting really caught up in a book. Is, is my What kind of books do you like, Dana? I'm just curious for my own I'm personal fiction. I mean, Are I'm you? like, okay. I know I write nonfiction and I'm glad people read it and buy it. But I am a fiction girl for sure. Like, Do you have any favorite books recently that we can um, look up to? So I just read... Unmissing.
0: Mm. Have you heard
1: of it? I I haven't. It's by Minka Kent, I think. I don't have my glasses. Oh yes.
0: On. Mm-hmm. Yep. I okay. know what you're talking about.
1: Like it's not really my style, but I'd heard about it on a podcast because it's more suspense. But it's the basic story, and you find this out in the very beginning is that a, a woman had gone missing, like however many years ago. She escapes, shows up at her husband's house, and the new wife opens the door like that he had married because she had Ooh. been presumed dead. So it starts that out and it was what I needed for escape. But normally yeah. what I like, I really like to read things that are set in different cultures or or different places, people with different perspectives from mine. My kid, my daughter's always like, I know mom, you tell me this all the time, but I cannot stand, please don't anybody be offended, but I cannot stand to read a book set in Dallas because I am from Dallas. And I'm like, <laughs> this is the most boring place in the world. Why are you acting like it's exciting? That road, that building, that whatever. I'm like, I've been there. It's not that exciting. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with me? <laughs> there are people who love to read things set where they live. And I'm like, I hate it. I don't think I've ever <laughs> read a book about Indiana that I've been like really crazy about, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I love like I like to read. Let's see, some of the ones I've read recently that I was looking up. The Roundhouse. Have you read that? Mhm. Yeah. You know, so that is Native American indigenous people. I think it was in the 80s or something. So there was a lot of 80s stuff that, you know, I'm an 80s kid, so it, you know, made me happy, but it was also just like I learned a lot about, you know, what's going on in our world and the history of my country and things, but I learned it in a fiction setting. Montana 1948. Have you read that? No, Montana 1948 is I learned a lot about native communities. But it's from the perspective of someone who's his dad was a sheriff and had to make some really hard decisions about. Uh, anyway, I don't want to give anything away. But he had to make really hard decisions, you know, that yeah. <clears throat> I, I just love reading that I read the girl with a louding voice.
0: Mm, um, we read
1: that for a book club. Yeah, yeah, it was such a good one. That one, I will tell you, so I'm having issues reading anything to makes my heart hurt too much, you know, these days, Mm. during Mm -hmm. the pandemic, I feel like there's certain things I just can't do it. And I was nervous at the beginning of that one, that Mm -hmm. it was going to be that way. But it wasn't. It was beautiful. And I think I had heard some I had stopped reading it for a while. And then I heard someone say how much they loved it. I thought, okay, I'm gonna give it another try. And I'm so glad that I did. But yeah, it was a very hope filled story. Um, Even though it was a very hard story. It had a lot of hope to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that that I prefer to read is just I like to learn about people with perspectives that are different than mine, because mm-hmm. reading about that in fiction, it means that I'm caught up in a story, but I'm also learning, you know, I, I'm like, I'm already in my own head, I don't really need to know more about what's in my own head, I want to know what other people are going through, but then I can relate to, like you said, the hopeful story. I mean, like, I get it, I relate to that, I can see myself in this story, but at the same time, it's not about me, and I don't want it to be about me. So
0: yeah, when you are listening to audiobooks or podcasts, are there any favorite decluttering projects that you have like been really proud you accomplished during that time when you're listening to something and it kept you distracted enough to get it done?
1: Well, we just moved.
0: And so my
1: garage is it's much better. It's much better. That was my goal over spring break. And I think I was was listening to audiobooks. I just kind of grab whatever I happen to see come across because I've always got so many credits. But yeah, I mean, like when I'm tackling a huge project like that, it helps me to have an audiobook because it does go on for hours and hours and hours. And that's how much time I'm going to need for that. The book that comes to mind was The Goldfinch. I listened to that on audio. Oh, that's a long one. Oh, so long. And I... Was really glad I read it, but I just, I don't know exactly how I feel about it. Yeah. Is that okay? I was wondering
0: if you thought it was worth it because the reviews are pretty mixed on that one.
1: I'm glad I read it
0: Mm -hmm. or listened
1: to it, you know, but I don't know. It it wasn't terribly redeeming. I didn't think. I don't want to be spoiler for anybody who hasn't read it. So I'm glad I read it, but it was also, I couldn't find my headphones at the time. (laughs) there (laughs) There were times where I was like. Oh, because I think I listened to that Maybe when everybody was home during quarantine type times And I was like, oh, I wish I wasn't I mean, my kids are teenagers So they're always like, Mom, we've heard it all before And I'm like, but I don't like you hearing it because of me You know, so there were things in there that I was like Wait, let me turn this down.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I just um, finished a book. Mercy Street was one that I finished that the audiobook was like extremely challenging because it had very polarizing viewpoints. My headphones had quit on me and I had to put it on a speaker in our house. And my husband came up and was like, I don't want (laughs) to listen to this. So it's like very polarizing. So I'm very conscious that I need to have my headphones charged because I don't want to hear anybody else to hear it or any commentary. And I know it has to be like kind of annoying to like jump into a really polarizing viewpoint and like have to listen to it while you're trying to work. So I have to be more sensitive to that.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad you understand because I'm like, uh, no. Oh, I'm in the middle of this book. Can we talk about it when I'm done? But then Goldfinch was like, what? So many hours.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, while we're closing out, I just want to ask you what has been maybe one of, or you can even tell more than one story, but what's been your favorite success story since you've launched your business? Because you, if you don't, aren't familiar with Dana's work, she really has a very cult following of people that have come to grow, to love you, and and the things that you have done when you read the feedback on your books and things. Everyone is like giant cheerleaders for your work. And that takes, you know, the authenticity that you bring to your projects. But it also is because something you're doing is resonating with people. And I wanna hear if there's any been anything in particular that comes to mind that you've been particularly proud of with success stories.
1: Well, I you know, if we're talking about business specifically, I, I look at you and I think this might have been the one where you were keynote speaking at the conference. But I mm. remember I think it was my second year of, of blogging when I went to a session on YouTube and I didn't really feel like I learned that much on YouTube. But one thing she said was, you don't have a blog, you have a message. Mm. And I was like, do I have a message? (laughs) I was like, what? And she said, you have a message and there are people who are never going to read a blog, but they will watch a video. And then there's other people who will never read a blog or watch a video, but they will listen to a podcast that honestly, I would say is the biggest pivot moment for me that has turned my business into, you know, a real, real business, because I'd always thought I want to make videos, but I don't know what I would do to make my blog readers watch them because I don't really watch videos that much, you know, and I was like, how am I going to get them to it was like, No, just take the same thing that you're doing and put your message into different formats and that i think has been has been the most most powerful thing as far as like somebody i had an interview recently i haven't aired it yet with a woman who she's not legally allowed to talk about certain things but she had some professional help come into her home because of a certain type of diagnosis and everybody if you think you know what i'm talking about you mm-hmm. probably do like you've probably yeah. watched something Is that, is my hint good enough? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got it. Okay. She had emailed me and said, you can go watch my experience here. And yet your book is the only thing that has actually changed my house. Decluttering at the speed of life is what she was talking about. And she said, your decluttering process is the one that has actually helped me change my home. And that was after experts of all sorts you know, had worked with her. And and I'm not saying that they weren't helpful, you know. Mm -hmm. But as far as making real change, my five step decluttering process is the thing that worked. And yet, you know, so I'm just going to give you an example. My first step in my process is to pull out the trash because that gets you going. It makes an immediate impact on the space. You feel less overwhelmed with every, you know, every bit that the space is less visually overwhelming. She said, I can't I can't identify trash. said so I pick something mm-hmm. up, and or if you tell me to look for trash, I don't see it. She said, But when I skipped to the fourth step, which is the two decluttering questions, she said, I use them on every single item. She said, I will pick up a gum wrapper and I will ask myself your question. If I needed this gum wrapper, where would I look for it first? She said, Then when I ask that, I realize, oh, I would never look for a gum wrapper. It goes in the trash. But just to say trash, she couldn't do that. And I think we talked for like an hour and 45 minutes. If you would have told me in 2009 that I would be helping people like, you know, break through the same types of things. I mean, I was never in that situation, but I get that situation. Like that's Mm -hmm. like, I understand that struggle. There's a lot of people who are like, what? you know, I mean, seriously, and I say that because I hear it from people who are like, "Who would? why in the world would anybody worry, you know, have to think about such and such. And I'm like, I get it. And I'm like, okay, this is the reason I was created the way that I was created to have this brain so that I can now be there to help people who most people don't understand those thought processes. And I'm like, even though I kind of wish I didn't understand, you know I mean? Like I would have wished it away years ago. Like I love it. Like I love that I'm able to relate and and actually give real help for those of us who have felt very misunderstood over the years.
0: Look at you yeah. using your story. I'm so proud of you. And I'm I'm so thankful <laughs> Thank to you. share this time with you. I truly am. Dana, if people want to connect with you more, where can they find you online? I am at
1: aslobcomesclean.com. And that has links to all of, I have books and podcasts and I've been doing YouTube now for the last year and a half, which is crazy. Again, I did it 10 years ago and then was like, nah, and now I'm back at it. So, cause I yeah, have an 18 year old who a job.
0: Did you? <laughs> I did. I was actually watching your one on the container concept. So I will definitely link up to that because that was the one that actually serves up when you go on your YouTube page. And I'm like, I want to talk about that with our listeners. And I really, really hope that you will pick up Dana's book. I hope that it does for you what it did for me, which is pull me a little bit out of my paralysis after the pandemic and try to work on some projects that made me feel empowered again. So I'm, I'm grateful to you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. And I, can I just brag on you for a yeah. second? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, you
1: can. <laughs> you didn't know what I was going to say when you were like, yeah, I'm sure, going to right well. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I just, you've always been one to like, help people. You've just that's always been your goal. Like I think that was your goal in the beginning when you started your blog was like I want to help people with the things that I'm learning that I wish somebody had told me. But then you carried that on to helping people as they built their businesses. I mean, like I said, you were the keynote speaker at I think the second blogging conference I ever went to and I was like I want to be her. You know, <laughs> like that I mean, that's just what I I always look up to you and I think that, you know, now you're you're taking this reading thing. But I'm like, here we are talking about cleaning and organizing because you're like, okay, well, if people want to read more, what do they need? Like you have such a gift for saying for seeing what it is that people really need to know and need to be taught. And so I just wanted to thank you for all that you've done over the years serving as an example and as a teacher for those of us on the internet.
0: Well, I must have taught you well because you have definitely taken off. I'm so proud of (laughs) you. And I really am so thankful that you would, you know, use your platform. And I want to say, you know, the people that show up here authentically, these are really my friends. And I'm really proud of Dana and all that she does. You know, the people that we feature here are the ones that I really believe in, and I believe in the work you're doing. I know you're doing good things. I can see how your audience rallies around you. And I'm rallying too. You got me out of my little funk that I was in, and I just want to thank Thank you for how you've impacted my life too, my friend.
1: Thank you.